When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code POD to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code POD at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code POD. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. For the 21st time, Dustin Johnson is a winner on the PGA Tour. Hello, welcome into another edition of At The Turn. This is our last episode of At The Turn for the first half of the year 2020. Nick, we're almost halfway through. It's so weird to think. Everyone's complaining about 2020. And I don't think people realize we're, like, pretty close to 2021 by now. I mean, we're going on July. Are we? We're, we're closer to 2021 than we are to New Year's 2020, basically. I mean, the future is ahead of us. Stop looking back, people. So I'm turning 35 in a couple of months, and that's like I'll be closer to 40 than I am 30. No, but mentally, you, Joe, it's Positive mentally, mental mindset. Well, you only uh, think about it the way you want to think about it. Yeah, if you hate I want to... 2020, then it's almost over. But if you love your 30s, then they're just beginning. You've got five years of your 30s left to enjoy. Come on. That's a valid point, but I have felt closer to 40 probably since the age of 32. That's a mindset. That is 30. a mindset. Wait a minute. That's How, on you. you. You feel closer to 30 than 40 <laughs> right now? I feel closer to 20 than 40 right now. Okay. I'm killing it, Joe. You are crushing it. I crushed nine beers on a Sunday afternoon. I'm not feeling 40. I'm feeling 20. Come on. Let's go. Well, someone else is probably crushing nine beers is Dustin Johnson, winner of the Travelers Championship. Nick, I was looking at his numbers because I think DJ sort of has the stink of someone who has underachieved during his PGA Tour career by virtue of only having one major win despite all the talent that he has. So if you look at him, I'm, I'm just going to throw some numbers at you real quick. If you, if, you, if you look at him in relation to golfers on the PGA Tour of all-time wins, he is 30th. He is tied for 30th all-time on PGA Tour wins. He's 36 years old, but I wouldn't say he's necessarily past his prime at this point. I mean, he strikes me as the same kind he's of player. 36? He's 36. Wow, that's surprising. It is a little surprising. He's a young thirty-six. He's he is. There's someone who lives a young mindset right there. That man's closer to twenty than forty, in more ways than one. But we look at him as a disappointment. Well, I shouldn't say we, but I think some people look at him as a disappointment because he just has the one major championship, and that's how you are judged as a golfer. But I mean, he's close to like Gary Player, 
Ray Floyd. He's now tied with Davis Love, Lanny Watkins. He's in some all-time territory. And I think we have to look at him from that perspective as opposed to being a guy who has less major championships than John Daly, Fuzzy Zeller, Lee <laughs> Jansen, Angel Cabrera, Martin Keimer. All those guys have more majors than DJ. But I think it's a very narrow view of his career. Now, has he had some disappointments in majors? Sure. He was standing on the 72nd hole of the 2015 U.S. Open at Chambers Bay, and he had a 12-foot putt to win that tournament. He did, he not have, that. did he not have, at one point, two putts to win that tournament? No. He had an eagle putt. So 18 is a par 5. He has an eagle putt to win the tournament. He then has a three-foot birdie putt to have an 18-hole playoff with Jordan Spieth. I was already— Which I he for sure would have won. I was in Seattle. I was mentally making plans to stay for the Monday playoff. I was in a bar watching that. And when he missed that putt, I've never heard a bar groan. So he missed a three-foot putt for birdie to get himself into a playoff. Now, he won the U.S. Open the following year. But I think we remember him more for his failures in big moments than his victories. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And I don't think his career can be judged by his 21 wins. I, I, I judge his career by his one major and not his 21 wins. I mean, would you trade his career for John Daly's career? No. What? No. Absolutely not. Now, I think maybe a comparison that would be more interesting is his bro in crime, Brooks Kepka, who has, I think, six or seven PGA Tour wins but four majors. Now, I would swap DJ's 21 wins for those four majors, and I can't really imagine an argument on the flip side of it, getting those 21. Because, look, I mean, he has, won, he has won six World Golf Championships, so he's won big events. But, I mean, you know, a win in Connecticut is nice, but yep. does it really add to your legacy? Piling Travelers Championships onto your 20-plus PGA Tour wins does nothing when you have just one major. Does nothing. Nothing. I, I agree. <laughs> nothing. So here, here is a stat, though, that, that puts it in context. Justin Ray, who is the stat golf guru of Twitter, since 2008, Tiger Woods has 21 PGA Tour wins. Dustin Johnson has 21 PGA Tour wins. That's the most. So no one has won more over the past 13 years than Dustin Johnson and Tiger Woods. And if you look at it, from, from, from 08 to 2020, he has won a tournament every single year except for 2014. So he is consistent as hell. The analogy that I came up with was Dustin Johnson wins 15, 16 games as a starting pitcher over the course of 15 years. And Brooks Kepka wins 25 games as a starting pitcher two years. Which feat is more impressive? You can make an argument for both. Is it the longevity and the consistency in doing it over a long period of time and being that great player? Or would you rather be a legendary player for a short period of time? I think there's an argument to be made for both. It's definitely a good point because a lot of times we just group DJ and Brooks in the same category. But this is uh, actually a pretty stark contrast. And that's a good stat, uh, th those wins since 2008. Um, I think... That says more to me that DJ hasn't sustained a high. I mean, he he has sustained a high level of play, but like to just have all those wins since 2000, uh, 2008 
and not have really racked them up a ton and, and just the one major, it, it bothers me. I, well, he, I mean, up until recently, the narrative around him, I think that we can all agree with whether or not the win total is disappointing from a major perspective is that he's someone who can't really get out of his own way. Like he had the early issues in his career with drugs and hooking up with players' wives. Then he kind of got out of that a little bit. But if you remember 2017, a great year because at the turn started, but also Dustin Johnson won three consecutive tournaments going into Augusta. He was so far and away the best player in the world. We were basically slipping the green jacket on him going into that week. And Nick, do you remember what happened and why Dustin Johnson did not win that master? It seems like he uh, was just wearing some socks and slipped down some stairs on a, uh, on a rental property and, and got injured. Potentially that's one, that's one theory of what happened. I may have a different theory of, of what might've happened, but yeah. Oh, I mean, you're nine beers in, give us another theory. If you're ever going to give it to us, it's right now. I mean, my alternate theory is there's a, there may or may not be rumored to be a lot of shenanigans going on with the lives of DJ and his long, long time girlfriend, fiance, but not quite wife, uh, Paulina Gretzky. And, you know, maybe there was some sort of altercation, maybe somebody, you know, who knows, who knows if the stairs, how, how he fell down the stairs or if that's what happened. But at the end of the day, he was unable to tee it up. Yeah, and if Jordan Spieth tells me he fell down some stairs, I'm a lot more likely to believe that than if DJ tries to sell me that bridge because he has this long pattern of sort of, I don't, I mean, questionable behavior sounds like I'm judging him. I'm not. He's one of the best golfers of all time. If you want to go do coke and have affairs with tour players' wives, like, go nuts. Do your thing. Live your truth. I'm not here to judge him. I'm just saying that perhaps if he drank milk and went to bed at 10.30 p.m. like your boy Matt Kuchar, maybe he'd have four or five majors right now. That's the only thing I'm trying to say. I just remember before the 2018 Ryder Cup, just Googling, like, is Paulina going to be at the Ryder Cup? Like, there was rumors that they broke up, that she was posting Instagram posts in her underwear about another guy, and I was like, oh, my God, is she going to be there? Like, is she going to be in all the photos? And then nothing ever came of it. So I still don't know what's going on with that. But, no, I, I agree 100%. You know, conversely, I'm just going to contradict myself real quick, as I tend to do in this podcast. Maybe if Dustin Johnson was living like the clean Bible reading life of one Matt Kuchar, perhaps he wouldn't be this great. Maybe he has to be the guy who does coke at parties. And apparently he's he stopped doing that. So yada, yada, yada. Let's talk about, you know, I'm on that train 100 percent, though, that DJ should just live his life and Whatever impact that does or does not have on his golf game, for better or for worse, is just what it was meant to be. Yeah, like maybe this is just part of who he has to be because you watch him out there. And, you know, we, we both watched the final round today. He hit that shot on 15, that drivable par four, and he thought it was in the water. He actually had to stand in the water to hit his shot. He chunked it, and it came back to his feet. So now he had a really tough up and down to save par with Streaming only two shots back. And... They were talking about how unflappable, which is a way overused term because they use it to describe so many golfers. But DJ truly is that. The only time he was upset, and I've ever seen him upset, and it was funny, 
because he ended up getting up and down for par, and that's kind of the point I was trying to make. But it was funny. The only time he got pissed, and this is the most pissed I've ever seen him, was when the weather delay came, and he had to wait like 45 minutes because he was cruising. He wanted to finish this thing off. And I am a big DJ guy. I know that people can be critical of him because of the stuff we talked about. But one of the things I like about him the most is he would be the kind of guy I would love to play golf with. Not even necessarily from the standpoint of he's one of the best golfers of all time, but how quick he plays, how nonchalant he is, how unemotional he is. I really thrive off of players like that when you're playing with them, as opposed to someone like your boy Bryson, who is very deliberate, takes his time, has kind of a weird swing. So I am team DJ. I love what he's about. Maybe not so much the potential infidelity and recreational drug use, but again, live your life. I'm not here to judge. I think that DJ may be the most talented golfer out there. And I think the more he wins, the more I like him. And not to sound like a bandwagon fan, but if he has all this talent and he's not racking up the wins, I feel like it's a shame. And if he can win, and and I hope he can win some bigger tournaments because that would just make it that much more interesting. And again, uh, as we referred to in a previous episode, kind of contrast what Bryson is doing. I think Bryson's getting a lot of attention. So to have those two styles go up against each other, I think is great. So DJ's got all this talent. I hope he can continue to be at the top and uh, be on the top of some leaderboards and and draw some attention. But as long as he's not doing that, uh, I think it's a little bit of a waste. An interesting thing, as we're talking about this, besides the 2017 Masters and maybe some random tournaments here and there, how many times do you remember a major championship where going into it, Dustin Johnson was the favorite or he was a popular pick for someone who is as great as he has been over a long period of time? He never has gotten the respect of golf media, I suppose. He's never the guy who is picked to be someone who wins majors. Now, he's only done it once, so maybe they're justified, but He's just not someone we can, like, perfect example. This year, the U.S. Open is allegedly going to be held later on this year. So if that happens, why would Dustin Johnson not be one of the top three favorites in that tournament? Well, why would Brooks Koepka not be one of the top three favorites? Well, but Brooks wins. Brooks wins majors. He's exactly. won four majors so the guys, last three years. So if, if Dustin Johnson does not win another tournament between now and then, is, is he going to be one of your top three? Sure. I don't see oh. any reason why not. I mean, he's 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 won a U.S. Open before. He's competed very well at the U.S. Open before. He has no weaknesses in his game, and he's one of those players where his ceiling is as high as anybody on the PGA Tour. Like, perfect example. If you think Bryson DeChambeau is playing his best golf and Dustin Johnson is playing his best golf and they're paired together in the final round of the U.S. Open, who do you think is going to win? I think DJ is going to win. But I think that Bryson's worst golf or his B game is much better than DJ's B game. And I think that's the separating factor why DJ hasn't won as many or has won as many important events. Not as many as Bryson, but just as many as he should have. Right. But I also think, kind of taking it more broadly, when you have someone as talented as Dustin Johnson or Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas, you know, any of the great top 10 golfers from the last five to seven years. 
How many of those guys actually exceed the number of majors that people think they will win? I would argue close to none. Nobody. Tiger Woods is behind expectations because he is not going to win the most majors. He's won 15 majors, and unless he gets to 19, we're going to say, oh, boy, Tiger let one get away. No, for sure. If you gave out a major for every time a broadcaster assigned a number of majors to a player, there'd be – There'd be 10 a year. For, there, there's no question about that. So so nobody's ever going to reach those expectations. So just to put a bow on this conversation, Joe, uh, on Dustin Johnson, we've got three majors this year, all of them yet to be played. Who has the better result in majors? I'm going to say DJ, Rory, or Brooks. Who's got the, the better overall major season? We can throw Tiger in there too. I think Rory. I, I kind of do too. I saw some stat where he's like broken par or he's been in the top 10. Like, yeah, here's what it was. I think out of his last 30 PGA Tour rounds, he has been in the top 10 at the end of that PGA Tour round, like 25 out of 30 rounds. Like he's playing that consistent. And to your point about the A game versus the B game, I think Rory's B game is so incredibly high. And we actually rarely, rarely see Rory's AA game. And when we do... I think that's better than DJ's. I agree. I, I, I think DJ's off game, he, you're never surprised to see DJ miss a cut. You're never no. surprised to see him finish in the top five. And I think that is his biggest detriment. Yeah, you see Rory miss a cut, you're, you're surprised by that. Exactly. So, Nick, we're very excited. Uh, we've had a lot of emails. I, I don't know why people keep emailing us, but they seem to. So we thought we would compile... Some of the best ones in a segment we're calling, this is a real mailbag. So, Nick, the first question that I have in this is a real mailbag is from Peter in Tampa, Florida. And it's very apropos, and I'm glad he brought it up. I've probably played six or seven rounds since quarantine has started. And that leads into this question. Peter asks, boys, love the podcast. What aspect of COVID golf, if any, do you find most challenging? So what aspect of COVID golf do you find most challenging? So I'll give you a second to think about this, Nick, as I have thought about this for a a little bit. Um, I think it's bunkers. So there are times when I'm playing late in the day, and you're, you're a Twilight guy, so you can probably relate to this, where I'm playing late in the day, and because, generally speaking, but, uh, rakes and sand traps have been removed because they don't want people touching something in common. It's the same reason we're not touching flag sticks, right? We don't want to have the same points of contact in an effort to be safe. So there's been times where I have been in a greenside bunker where it's a relatively easy bunker shot, but I'm in some giant footprint or even more common is when someone tries to sort of fix the sand with their foot or their heel, but it's not a raked bunker. So you have this awful lie and you're getting severely penalized for a shot at a situation where you probably should not be. Otherwise, I don't really have many picadellos about what we have to do because of COVID-19. Not being able to rake the bunkers is my number one thing, but generally speaking, I'm not too bothered by it. No, I would agree. Um, COVID golf is pretty normal for me, and uh, I, I, I don't really... It, it doesn't really feel any different unless I really were to think about it. 
Um, to your point about the bunkers, um, I think it's no big deal. You just play it. It's supposed to be, you know, not ideal to hit it in there anyways. So, you know, if you, if you get a shitty lie, deal with it. Um, for oh, it's me, on me? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, it's, it's totally on you. So basically because I've, I've, I have mishit you put my yourself shot. there. Right. I have no one to blame but mm-hmm. myself for being in the bunker. So whatever I find in that bunker, best of luck, pal. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, for me, it is on the putting green. So there are two scenarios I've found myself in at different courses. It is either there is a pool noodle inside the golf cup, or it's got the hook where you your hook leads to like a, a oversized washer in the bottom of the cup that you lift your ball out of. Um, well, what and, I have, n- I have not seen that one yet. Can you describe that a little bit more for me? Yeah. So there's like a, there's like a big washer in the bottom of the cup, right? That sure. your ball, if you, if you make your putt, it goes to the bottom of this washer and then it's connected to a hook that's sticking out of the hole, which you can raise with your putter, which will lift the ball out of the hole and, and drop it back out onto the green. So you can pick it up without touching the cup. How many courses are you playing where that's happening? Well, I've, I've played um one where we where they've had those and um all the tournaments that we run we we bring those flat sticks ourselves really yes wow okay sorry continue i'm just i'm fascinated no, by that all, all, all good so just google it if, if you haven't seen it but anyways um a couple issues we've had is either people will put their ball and they'll hit the hanger that is attached to the flag stick in the hook and we will Matumbo their ball out of the hole and a putt that was clearly going to go in. But then there's the debate whether do you play your most likely score? Like that ball was obviously going to go in, but it didn't. So are you playing your most likely score? Or are you playing, you know, are you holding out your ball even though you technically are not still holding your ball out? Uh, and the same thing with the pool noodles. Some of the pool noodles that aren't cut deep enough. Your ball can roll right over top of the noodle and just, you know, again, clearly it's in the hole, but it rolls right on past and just goes out the other side. So was that ball going to go in? Was it going too hard? You know, who's to decide whether that ball is good or not? And it's one thing if you're playing with your buddies. It's another thing if you're playing in a competitive round. And how is the whole field playing to the same standard? A uh, couple things. First of all, I saw that hook thing. That is awesome. That's I, I see why you guys have that. That is really cool. Well, it's good in demos. I would say about 75% of the time it works well, and 25% of the time like the thing will catch, and it oh. won't come up all the way, and your ball will just draw, and it's just kind of clunky. So it's it's not perfect, but it's it's a clever solution to a, to a, a real problem. So I know that the PGA and USGA, you guys are bitter rivals, but I want you to know that I looked at the USGA website because I was very curious. When COVID first hit, I took a little break from golf, but when I came back, my home course, they didn't do the pool noodle or anything that the ball would descend into the hole. What they did was they actually raised the cup out of the ground so you would hit it off. So so when you're putting it on the green, you're basically – hitting to like if you just stuck a beer can in the hole you have to hit the beer can basically and that counts as your putt being hole and i was curious if i should be posting these rounds to my handicap or not because it really feels like it would be two or three shots difference my score would be improved by the ball 
not having to go in the hole and just having to hit this apparatus on top of the hole. So I looked it up, and they said that with the uh, cups out of the ground and the inverted cups where the ball is not going to go completely down, they say that if in your group it is determined that that ball would have reasonably gone into the hole 50% of the time or more, you can count it as a hold putt. So if you have a putt for birdie, it goes into the hole and pops out, and everyone's kind of looking around and they go, Joe, that would have gone in. Then you can count that as a birdie. Conversely, if you have a downhill slick putt for bogey and you got the cup out of the ground and you just catch the side of it and it pings it off and shoots it 15 feet to the right and you look around and everyone's like, no way, Joe. That thing thing would have missed by a mile. Then you're writing down a six. So there are, and I'm I'm curious, does does the PGA have a stance on any of this so far, or does the ball have to descend completely, or have there not been enough competitions to have a determination? Well, from my experience in, in any tournaments that, that we've hosted, there has been no complaints or debate whether or not a ball is hold. Um, from my experience playing at my local course, there's been. I would say I've had debate whether uh, I played in the tournament yesterday and uh, there was a lot of debatable um, gimmies and, you know, people saying, well, uh, I think that one lipped out, but I think it might have touched the pad on the bottom when, you know, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? That that pad is three inches below. There's no way, you know, so I, I, I don't know. Um, I think it's. I think it's up. I think it varies from group to group. I think it's a dangerous situation to put people in in a competitive environment. In a competitive environment, for sure. But that sucks because if you're an experienced golfer, you can watch a ball go to the hole and know if that ball would have gone in if it was under normal circumstances. Exactly. That's what's so dumb about it is, well, I don't don't want to go too far down that road, but ultimately, I think it's just very dumb that people can't sit there and reasonably say, okay, that would have gone in, that would not have. Golf is a game of honor, Nick. A game of honor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's supposed to be, but, uh, you know, some people some people are more honorable than others. I just think that's the bottom line. Do you have a mailbag question? I do, Joe. Um, can a group decide amongst themselves to, quote-unquote, play it up on, say, the sixth hole of a individual stroke play tournament? Oh, so, wait a minute. Uh... You're saying that for the first five holes and the entire tournament, you've been told which set of tees to play. So let's say you're playing the white tees. Well, I'm saying play, when I say play it up, I mean um, play the ball up in the fairways, you know, if, you're, if your ball is kind of in a divot. Oh, preferred or, you lies? Know, preferred lies, exactly. So did it rain a lot the night before? Um... Not particularly, maybe a, a little bit of rain, but no specific um, governance maybe given to the entire tournament field as a whole. That's a problem. And so, okay, the answer unequivocally is no, because unless you have decided beforehand that it's lift clean in place because you're playing at 8 a.m. and it poured the night before and you're just going to have mud on your ball the entire day and that's going to suck and you're going to have plug lies and this is going to be terrible. That Yeah, play the ball up. And the thing I always say to people about who are like trepidatious about playing with preferred lies is I watched the final round of the Masters and they played preferred lies one year. So if they can do it, I think we're okay doing it 
for five bucks a side on our little side game here. Um, no, that's ridiculous. You have to just stick with what you started the round with. Now, maybe there's a situation where the weather's fine on hole one, and by hole eight, it's been raining for an hour, and ball's starting to plug. Then maybe you can say something. But if someone drove one in a divot, sorry, bud. You got to hit it out of that thing. I played well, golf okay. yesterday. I played golf yesterday, Nick, and I was I, my best tee shot of the day. I was had a great round going. I was 30 yards from the green, and I was in a sand-filled divot. And I made a bogey, and I fell apart. So <laughs> that's the game, folks. That's what we said. That is the game. For. Two points to be made. First and foremost, if your ball is plugged, if your ball plugs into the ground, you are given relief by the rules of golf, either whether it's in the fairway or in the rough. So not, not, in, a, not in a sand trap, not in a bunker, but in the fairway or the rough, if your ball is plugged, you can, you can pull it out regardless. Yeah. And second of all, I think the biggest concern for me is the field. So, yeah, sure. Maybe there's a couple guys in your group who say, ah, yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll just pick it up. Give yourself a good lie there, yeah, Sonny. You know what? Well, what is the rest of the field doing? How, how is everybody else in the tournament going to be playing by the same rules if you just decide randomly in the middle of the tournament that you're going to start giving yourself nice lies there? I'd have a real problem with it. If someone did that to me, I would, I would, I'd have to say something because that's, that's like really uncool to do. Now, like you said, if it plugged, that's that's a that's a totally different circumstance. But if someone has like a shit lie in the fairway or the rough or anywhere, sorry, bud, that's the game. That's the game. Thank you for that question, by the way, Nick. Do you have another question on your end, or did you just have one today? No, I th I think that I think that's all I got I got for today. Okay, well, this one comes to us. This is, our, this, is, this is our final one. This one comes to us from a very special listener uh, from Tempe, Arizona. This is from Bill Wickelson. And Bill writes, my favorite player is Phil Mickelson. Do you think Phil will win on the PGA Tour again now that he's turned 50? Bill, thank you so much for the question. Now, Nick, let's start off with saying that going into the weekend, eh, Phil looked like the story. He shot a pair of 64s. He had the lead. He's rocking some reflective aviators, really feeling himself. Looks like he's lost a little bit of weight. Um, I don't think Phil's going to win a bunch in his 50s, but I would be very, very surprised. Speaking of someone who's mentally younger than their actual age, I think Phil Mickelson qualifies for that. That dude is closer to being 18 than he is to being 55 mentally. Uh, I love him. I think he'll probably win a half dozen times in his 50s. On the Champions Tour or the PGA Tour? <laughs> Uh, I'll say combined. I don't think Phil's going to play much in the Champions Tour. I, I recant something I said on an earlier podcast. The more I thought about that, I said he was going to go out there win 15 times. I don't think he's interested in doing that. What does that actually accomplish for him? I don't think he cares. I think he probably wants to play, like, you know, a shortened schedule as he gets to, into his mid-50s. He'll play at Augusta every single year, obviously. He'll try to win the U.S. Open. He may make a run once or twice at a major. But I think he gets six wins PGA and champions combined, I'll say at least two of those are PGA Tour wins. So you're basically saying that Phil Mickelson is going to have a better career after his 50th birthday than Ricky Fowler has had throughout his entire career to date. God. Joe, <laughs> I, I got less than 1.1 more PGA Tour wins for Phil Mickelson. He may get one more 
he he could. I just don't see him putting it together for four rounds or even three rounds in a four-round tournament enough to get a win. I mean, he had the 36-hole lead this week, and he was over par on the weekend, on a weekend when guys were going double digits under par. Yeah, he's old, Nick. He's 50. Yeah, so how is he going to put it together for four straight days? Because he's one of the top 15 golfers of all time. That's that's the way I look at it. I think you're going to see Phil find a way to get it together for four days. I mean, we forget he won last year. He won at Pebble last year, and he put it together for four days. I think you're going to see this more often where he'll pop up on leaderboards early, and maybe he'll shoot, like, bad rounds on Thursday, Friday, make the cut by a stroke or two, and light it up on the weekend. So I, I agree with your premise. I think him putting it together for four days is very challenging. But I also think he has the capacity to do so. And I think until he hits that 53, 54, maybe even 55, I think he'll still play a full schedule because he thinks he can still win majors and compete. I saw a stat they put up. The most anyone has shot sub-65 rounds after the age of 50 is Davis Love with five rounds. You know who's second on that list already? Phil Mickelson, and he's been 50 for 10 days. So I think that Second Phil with did, how many? Two? Second with two. Yeah, he's tied for second with two with, the, with Fred Funk and a few other guys. So my point being that Phil Mickelson will be the best 50-plus golfer on the PGA Tour, not Champions Tour, because that's Bernard Longer, Hale Irwin, those guys. But I think Phil will have some sustained life in his 50s on the PGA Tour. I really believe that. I think he'll be good enough to catch some headlines here and there. I do not think he's going to get it done. Maybe once. I don't even think he'll get it done once. Do you think he's going to sniff a major again? Like, beat, beat. Do you think he's going to be within three shots of the lead going into Sunday for a major the rest of his career? Uh, potentially. But if that situation presents itself, I don't think he'll break par. Wow. No confidence in the old man. None. None. <laughs> I mean, I I love everything he's got going on. I just think he's got going. He's got so much more than golf going on. You know, like you said, he's lost the weight. He's got the the shades. You know, he's got the he's got the vibe right now. Sure. You know, is winning majors like the number one thing this guy is all about? I, I'm not questioning his desire. I just feel like he's got a lot of balls in the air, and I don't know if he's got you know what it takes to keep up with all these young guys and, and all the guys out there. It's such a deep field right now. It really is. I'm, I'm just, just real quick. I'm, I'm going to read you a list. Are you ready? Yeah. Sa Sam Sneed, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, Ben Hogan, Arnold Palmer, Byron Nelson, Billy Casper, Walter Hagen. You know what those guys have in common? One those major are the, after 40. Those are the only men who have more PGA tour wins than Phil Mickelson in oh. the history of golf. No one else. He is ninth all time. And more impressively, the span between the first and last win, Sam Snead, 30 years, Phil Mickelson, 29 years. That's the top two. So, Sam Snead, I think finished, I'm pretty sure this is right, he finished third in the U.S. Open at age 62, and he won at like age 53 or something crazy like that. I think Phil has the ability to do that. If you look at Phil's swing from when he's 19 and when he's 50, it's the same damn thing. It's just as long. It's pretty incredible 
how flexible and how impressive the bombs that this man hits are. I just think that by the number of times played, let's say he has 80 more starts on the PGA Tour in his career. I think he wins two times out of those 80 starts. 80 starts, so you're basically giving him five years. Yeah, like 18 to 16 starts a year over the next five years. I mean, that's. I think it's generous. I mean, not necessarily the starts. I think I think he'll tee it up. Uh-huh. I think he's going to miss a lot of cuts. You know, if he, oh, you know, yeah. I, I think he's got he's a, a, a seventy-five in him. You know, on a, on a Thursday, and you know, see you later. Um, and when he does make cuts, we just I, I just don't think he's going to put it together for four. I mean, he'd have to have three rounds in the mid sixties, and like uh, his worst day would be like a sixty-nine. And wait a minute, are are, are you suggesting that's not possible? I, I'm suggesting it's not likely. It's not likely, and I'll admit, there's there's a fair amount of bias, but I don't know, man. I He's going to be playing at the U.S. Open, okay? He won't Is he going to get the career grand, grand Slam, Joe? Okay, who's more likely to get the career Grand Slam? Jordan Roy, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, or Phil Mickelson? They're, both, they're all missing one. So Spieth is missing the PGA, Rory's missing the Masters, and Phil is missing the U.S. Open. Well, I mean, it's it's Rory, Spieth, it's Rory. and then Phil. Really, Spieth? He Spieth is well. I mean, he's got so much more opportunities. He's got so much more potential. I mean, Jordan Spieth is not that far off right now from being a top three golfer in the world. He just, I think, it's more a mental game. And he's already had it within the last five years. He just needs to recapture something that was just right there. Maybe it's fleeting, but if he can just grab it and secure it and, and build that back in to his game, he's going to be right there. Phil is, is reaching for stuff that's that's been gone for a decade. The aviators look good. The, he, the aviators he looks great look out there. Phil looks, Phil looks incredible out there. I, I, I love him. I hope he wins. It's nothing personal, but I, I, are yeah. you going to argue with that? This is this is lefty on lefty crime we have right now. So say, okay. Nick on Mickelson. So, so we both agree that Rory is the most likely to complete the career Grand Slam. Are you saying that Phil is more likely than Jordan Spieth? No, because the U.S. Open thing is like the biggest. <laughs> it's one of if if it's not the most egregious thing for a top golfer to have omitted. It's like. The second, like Arnold Palmer never won the PGA. And that's like, you know, some people care about that. I could give two shits. Arnold Palmer is Arnold Palmer. Like he's one A of top golfers of all time. And so is Phil Mickelson. But to finish second six times in the thing, to have a one shot lead on the 72nd hole and to double bogey it to even miss out on a playoff. Like it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. He knows it's a thing. Everyone else knows it's a thing. My God, if he competes this year in the U.S. Open, I, it, that's going to be the most incredible thing. I don't think it's going to happen, but I God, I hope it does. It's Rory. It's Rory by a mile. Rory, yeah. although I will say, Rory not winning the Masters every year 
that's becoming more and more of a thing. Not to the level of Phil that went to the U.S. Open, but because Rory had a similar situation. He had he one got, arm in the jacket, no doubt about it. Exactly. And because that's the narrative around him now, for the next 20-some-odd years that he pe- competes at Augusta, every year that he doesn't win, the monkey on his back's going to get just a little bit bigger. No doubt about it. Joe, one last thing on Phil. In what year did Phil have his most wins on the PGA Tour? The number of wins was four. It's probably in the 90s. Yeah, you're not going to like this answer. Is it like 1994? 1996. Yeah, that just shows how great he's been for such a long time, Nick. It doesn't show how great he's going to be for the next five years. I, but, I, I don't think he's going to win again. But conversely, here's a stat I'll give you about Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson has finished in the top 10 once in the British Open. You know where he finished? First. So my point is, Phil Mickelson... No, that's not right. That is right. Well, he Didn't he finish second in the British Open with Stenson? Oh, yes. Excuse me. You're right. So two top 10s. And... That was, I think, the best performance in major championship golf history, literally, for Don't someone disagree. not to win. So, Absolutely. My point being, that's a tournament that Phil has said himself he has no business winning. His game is not designed for that style of golf. And yet, he won it once, almost won it a second time. I think he can find some weird magic and get it done. It'll, I, I, I still think it's going to happen on the PGA Tour regularly. Probably not going to happen at a major but I think he finds himself in a position to be competing in a weekend in a major at some point again before it's all said and done. Let's hope. Let's hope. I mean, it was fun going into the weekend with him in contention, but we didn't get much out of him. So I, 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 hope, he, I hope he pulls it off, but uh, not hold my breath. Too many, well, too now, many guys to beat. Nick, if, if you don't mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close up the mailbag. That's, this is definitely a real mailbag brought to you by At The Turn. Please keep sending those questions in. We love to get them. Thank you, Bill, for checking in in Tempe, Arizona. Nick, before we close things out, I have one more item to get to. Okay. Are you still using a wristwatch when you're out on the golf course? Not really. No, no, no real need for that anymore. Well, what it, did, you, did you just stop caring about what the distance is to the flag? How are you hitting those irons so close? It's all about Precision Pro, laser rangefinder. Tell me more, please. Well, obviously, you play any golf, any relevant golf these days, you see everybody shooting the flags with their monocular. Um, Get a precise distance to the flag, front, back of the green, uh, wherever you are with your Precision Pro laser rangefinder. There are so many models to choose from. The right one for you is out there. Save $20 at precisionpro.com with promo code at the turn. Just be more accurate with your irons, hit more greens, make more birdies, shoot better scores. That's that's the bottom line. It really is. It's a great gift. I know Father's Day has passed, but maybe get a jump on 2021. If you want to get that out of the way, get one of those for dad, get them for your mom, get them for all, get them for your buddies. Buy a four pack of them for goodness sakes. They're just, you know, they're great you know gifts. what, Joe? I just, I just want a $43 skin by making a two on a par three the other day from hitting it to eight feet and making the putt. I bet that felt pretty good. Yeah. So why would you not want to hit it closer to the flag, make more birdies, win more skins? 
get that nine beer feeling that Nick Heidelberger has right now for winning a $43 skin at your tournament. PrecisionPro.com, promo code at the turn. Uh, that does it for me, Nick. That's it. Okay. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Congrats to Dustin Johnson. We'll be checking in soon. Good luck in the second half of 2020 at the turn. We'll be with you every step of the way down the fairway. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at the turn.